To make it in cannabis, first you must dare to. 12 years ago, MJ BizCon dared to unite the global cannabis community, igniting a movement that continues to thrive. The wait is over. Let's grow together this November 28th through December 1st in Vegas. You'll hear incredible stories, see groundbreaking innovations, and forge connections you need to thrive in 2024. But wait, the clock is ticking. Get your tickets by September 28th and save up to $200. And here's a secret. Podcast listeners get 10% off with promo code 23POD10. Don't miss out. Get your tickets at mjbizcon.com. That's mjbizcon.com. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. All of these three companies uh, have been um, um, under our, our due diligence. These companies, uh, we have been conducted the first three phases that we usually do in our due diligence process. Our due diligence process covers seven major um, phases. And these companies have been already passed all these three um, um, previous um, phases of due diligence. So we make sure that all these companies and their team don't have any issues related terrorism, narcotraffic, that we make sure that their funds are totally legal and transparent. We make sure that they are legal um, or um, uh, incorporated where they say that they are incorporated. We also make sure that they have in place of the license and um, we invite great uh, professional experienced teams. So we understand that usually investors invest in teams and people and we make sure that the people that we put together in our events are definitely professionals with a lot of um, um, high of uh, social responsibility and ethics. For us, it's very important to clear and change all these aspects of narco-traffic that unfortunately in Latin America <laughs> during decades we, we have to face. And this is the time to not only uh, increase um, our, our profits and our margins and take um, great advantage of the opportunity in the cannabis space, but also to dignify our communities. We want to make sure that all the Latin America is now seen um, as, a, as an economic empowerment uh, through cannabis, uh, hopefully through the legalization of all the drugs. Hopefully, um, uh, our generations, uh, for example, in Colombia, you know, the same cases in Mexico, well, unfortunately, we have been, um, we, we, our community was forced to go through a war that we all know that was totally unsuccessful. And well, this is the first path. Uh, a few few weeks ago, um, reading the news, I, I learned that that Oregon uh, decriminalized cocaine, and I think that this is a great step and moving forward to change some paradigms and change some politics that clearly didn't work and clearly affected our countries and our communities. So let's see what happened with, with um, reg regulation and legalization of all drugs all over the world. Well, as I said before, our due diligence process covers seven phases. Uh, the uh, deal generation, that is the, the phase that we are conducting right now, market analysis and organization, and legal due diligence, risk performance and analysis, corporate exit strategy, deal structuring, and deal closing. Uh, some of the, uh, the, 
one of the biggest ad uh, advice that we give to all the accredited investors that, that constantly ask for our uh, for our recommendations uh, when entering the space, when entering the industry, anywhere in the Americas, we always recommend do your due diligence process three times harder than you usually do your due diligence process in another industry. Um, there's a lot of risk, um, especially when you're looking at the Latin America. Uh, so make sure you cover all your due diligence before and, and, under, and understand the opportunity and understand the industry before you commit some resources. I would like to review uh, where lately we have been um, asked by, by several accredited investors to give an overview of how um, COVID has impacted the industry, how this year is going so far. Um, well, um, through, through history, through the years, and, and when we uh, study, when we analyze um, other, other moments in history, when, when um, disasters, communal disasters happens, we um, have learned that the uh, consumption of uh, psychotropics, such as um, well, cannabis in, in this case, coffee, uh, liquor, and other, and other substances uh, usually increases. People, people are looking for wellness, people are looking for, uh, for decreased depression, anxiety, and, and this, is, this, is, this is the same case COVID-19 and the cannabis industry. Um, we have seen an increase in, in sales and, and um, we are expecting uh, to close this year with, with uh, retail sales up to $15 billion. And we are expecting that for 2024, uh, pretty much we will double um, the retail sales in the industry in US. As um, when when we compare this year uh, and 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 um, some projections for the next four years, we see the cannabis industry uh, being uh, uh, bigger than than beer, than prescription um, pain medication um, and other related industries, if you will. Another a very interesting um, uh, fact is that is that even if 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 the whole industry is increasing sales um, this year, the industry have grown about forty percent in in average in in all states and through through these eight um, um, well eleven months already. But but we have seen that the wholesale cultivators have decreasing their profitability ratios. And, and, and why is that? Well, I, we believe that uh, commoditization of, of cannabis is, is happening um, as a commodity. We can, we can see that, that well, uh, prices are establishing themselves uh, for, for, for dry flowers. And this is a very interesting chart. We can uh, the, the five uh, top states of, of, of sales through this year 
are California, Colorado, Washington, Nevada, and Michigan being, of course, California, um, the, the, the state that uh, where, where we experienced uh, a bigger uh, rate of growth. This is another interesting chart, and this shows us the how how is the market being um, divided into into major products. So the flowers are still the winners. Uh, about forty four percent and fifty percent of the whole market of the cannabis in in US are are composed by flower cells, uh, following vapor uh, by vapor pens around 17 and 21% of the market. Edibles, about 10 to 12, pre-rolls, eight to 10, and concentrates almost the same ratio. So this shows us that the, our culture is still, um, you know, leading, leading the way uh, we consume cannabis, uh, at least in the United States. And a quick uh, review of the regulation in Latin America. With a population of 60 million people, we're expecting that by 2028, the industry will be worth $13 billion. Argentina has legal medicinal cannabis industry since 2013. They have lately, about two or three weeks ago, they have been regulated and legalized self-cultivation. However, they the access to, to products is very limited and pretty much is, is just um, aligned with some imports. The regulation is quite complex and the framework is not really aligned with the federal and the, and, and the state level, if you will. Um, in Brazil, well, in Brazil in, is the country where most of the sales have been happening in cannabis. Uh, they have grown this year 20 27%, but mostly imports. Uh, you can import legally CBD. Uh, it's restrictive, and you, if you are if you're a patient, you need to follow uh, some some requirements to access um, the, the the medicine. It's still legal at um, all in medicinal and recreational. In Chile, well, medicinas medicinal cannabis is legal. Cultivation is still very restricted, is pretty much limited to self-cultivation or collectives. And some important factor is that hemp is being uh, regulated and, and in an agro-industrial way. This is a very different way that they regulate it uh, when you compare with Colombia, for example, that we, uh, uh, our regulators choose to, to, to build the industry around pharma. I think that they they will review and they are they are thinking about um, regulating hemp as agroindustrial as well here in Colombia. In Paraguay, uh, cannabis at the medicinal level is legal also since 2017. However, they started the regulation in 2018. Uh, pretty much, they also um, only have import so far, and no implementation has happened whatsoever. There's no license, for example, in Paraguay. In Mexico, well, um, cannabis is legal at the medicinal level since 2017. They are working on the regulation. Up to date, you can import CBD. Um, about two weeks ago, um, the, the law passes, but still we are um, the, whole in, the whole industry is wearing. 
to um, is waiting to to have a complex regulation that allows uh, free access to to license and the development of the whole industry. In Peru, uh, medicinal cannabis is, is legal since 2017. There's no legal regulation. However, you can import CBD. In Ecuador, um, this, this year, Ecuador has legalized uh, cannabis at the medicinal level. <coughs> regulation is in process. Um, some key factors that they have already put hemp as an agro-industrial and they have regulated that through um, the, the Ministry of Agriculture. Imports are allowed and no self-cultivation is allowed, unfortunately, in Ecuador. <coughs> in Uruguay, cannabis is legal since 2013. All forms in the country, excuse me, the, the country have so far 20 licenses to grow hemp, four licenses to grow high THC uh, type of cannabis, 16 licenses for research and imports are allowed. And that's pretty much the way that they have um, reached their patients through imports. In the Caribbean, um, we have found cannabis uh, legalized in Antigua, Barbuda, Jamaica, San Vincent and Grenadine. Um, however, there's some restriction regarding you, um, you need to be a resident in order to access some, some of the license. Arua is in the process of regulation um, and legalization of cannabis, and they are hoping to um, don't um, regulate the, the process of license and, and entrepreneurship uh, only for residents. So we are expecting Arua to be foreign friendly. In Colombia, uh, Colombia is the, one of the markets that is um, more mature in Latin America. In Colombia, there's 450 licenses, 38, 380 to grow, about 70 to extraction. This number is increasing every day as process culminates. Um, there's, uh, this is a very interesting number, 3,700 small um, uh, license for small cultivars are in process. And this is very interesting. This is, this is very similar to what happened with coffee. Um, the, small cultivars mean zero to two hectares in Colombia. This year, during the pandemic, um, the government of Colombia have declared uh, the cannabis industry as a national interest industry. And one exportation has happened uh, up today to Colorado, and it was about 2 million hemp seeds. Um, this exportation was made by Avicana, a company located in the coast of Colombia. Uh, well, we hope to see you uh, in, in our next um, edition. Please save the date, January 29. And also, we are conducting a, our, our symposium, our scientific symposium, uh, digitally, of course, in January 26. Uh, thank you. Um, we are going to invite Michael to, to get ready after some um, promo commercials that we have ready for you. We welcome back Michael. Hello, Michael. How are you? Michael is the CEO of Canaver de Pharma. 
uh, Michael started his career as an analyst at Toulouse Hinship, a hedge fund, um, Catherine to hide network families based in Toronto, Canada. Following his career at Guloskinship, uh, he was appointed as an investment director at Infinity Potential Management, the private family office of the founders of BlackBerry. Uh, prior to joining Cannaver de Pharma, Michael uh, co-founded a cannabis focus private equity firm where he served as the CEO and investment director. Uh, Michael is a CFA um, charter holder and holds an honors double major degree in economics and international studies from York University. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for being here once again. And thank you for sharing this great opportunity in Colombia. Thank you, Carol. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Um, hi, everyone. Um, thanks very much for your time today. Um, I'm going to share my screen and go through a brief um, introduction into Canaverde Pharma. Um, obviously, for, for the sake of, of the presentation, it will be about 10 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes on the presentation, and then we'll go through uh, any questions that you may have. Um, just give me one moment here, please. Perfect. So Carol has already pointed out the, the fantastic opportunity present in Latin America, specifically as most of the countries on the continent have legalized medical cannabis. So we are talking about significant, you know, Brazil, Mexico, Peru, Chile, um, Argentina, and Uruguay. So 640 million people, um, and, and we aim to be the leading medical cannabis company in Colombia and throughout Latin America. For now, our focus have been directly in Colombia um, as we build our, our strategy there in the country. Um, 68 million people would qualify for uh, some sort of medical cannabis prescription. Um, and, and obviously chronic pain, depression, anxiety, epilepsy, and others would be the main conduits for, or the main, uh, the main reasons for that. Colombia's regulatory roadmap is a very difficult one. Um, as Carol mentioned prior, uh, there have been a significant amount of licenses that have been issued in the country. However, it requires a significant amount of capital and a significant amount of know-how to be able to get these licenses, specifically on the THC side, as you have to deal with uh, the Ministry of Justice, the Ministry of Health, the Colombian Agricultural Institute, and, 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 and others. So Canaverde Pharma, through its wholly owned subsidiary, Green Health Colombia, has gone through all of the steps and permits to now have the ability to commercially cultivate. So specifically, we hold licenses to cultivate, extract, manufacture, domestically distribute, and export both CBD and THC medical extracts. Furthermore, we have registered eight strains with varying CBD, THC, and CBG profiles with the Colombian Agricultural Institute. And we're in the process of licensing an additional 57 strains, more focused on the high THC content as we move into our prescription medication and formula magistral within Colombia and outside of that. Um, we're located in the Bucaramanga, which is, we believe, one of the most attractive places to not only do business, but to grow medical cannabis. The weather from January to December does not change much. Uh, it is about 27 degrees um, Celsius on average during the day and about 13 to 15 degrees Celsius at night. So the, the, the climate is absolutely perfect. 
Um, we have 12 hours of sunlight per day. We can get up to six cultivations per year. And we've built greenhouses um, that um, are, you can see here on, on, on this slide. So we have about um, 51,000 square feet of greenhouse space. We are planning to go up to 415,000 square feet. This is a, an idea of what the greenhouses look like. And we believe we have one of the most advanced greenhouses in the country. This is all to be done for the medical side of it. We have done studies and we have the ability to grow outside as we increase the potential for us to, to supply medical cannabis. You can see that the way the facility looks here, you can see the plants, you can see the flowers, and we do have CBD products um, ready to go. Uh, we've just actually concluded our first sale uh, not too long ago. So that's a significant milestone for a company that's been in operation for about three years. And we have, we have now achieved all of the permits and all the licenses needed to be able to now generate revenues. We believe that we have one of the top management teams in the country. We have, uh, uh, Carol has already alluded to my background. Um, I was fortunate enough to serve uh, for and, and work for two organizations that included some very, very um, influential Canadian businessmen. Um, so I've had the privilege to learn from some of the best what it takes to build a company, what it takes to invest in a company, and also what it takes to, to take a company public. Um, so I'm very fortunate in my background. Um, Ivan Osmo is our chief medical officer. He is a graduate of both Harvard and Johns Hopkins University. He has done advisory board member work for, for, lab, uh, for Abbott and Novartis, and he has been involved in numerous FDA clinical trials. So Yvonne is a giant in the, in the medical profession um, and one of the giants in the, in the medical profession um, and he is our chief medical officer. Eduardo Mayorga is the co-founder of the company that we purchased called Green Health Colombia. So we purchased in 2018, all of the outstanding shares of Green Health Colombia, which is located in Bucaramanga. And that is the company that holds all the licenses in, in country. Um, so Eduardo founded the company. He's had, he is, uh, he is an expert when it comes to project management and, and HR, and he's worked for the Bogota Free Trade Zone, um, El Dorado Airport, and BP Oil and Gas. Paul Robertson is our CFO. Um, he's been doing work in Colombia over the last 10 years, mostly in the mining sector. Um, he has significant experience when it comes to operating in both Canada and, and where we are headquartered, and Colombia, where our operations are. Dr. Peter Chen is our chief science officer. He's, uh, he finished first overall in his program. He's an expert when it comes to um, product formulation, extraction, and product development. So Peter's now working on, on the various products that we're bringing to market, um, both on the medical side and both on the topical and CBD side. And Shane Willen Stubbs is our rock star when it comes to cultivation. He is in the top, he was in the top 4% of all Canadian growers um, a few years ago. He is, uh, his yields are incredible. His, his plants are phenomenal. Um, and he is in Colombia um, and, or he was in Colombia. He's, he's now had to, we had to bring him to Canada due to COVID. Uh, but he, over the last two years, he has mentored a significant amount of Colombian master growers, which are doing just a terrific job on our operations um, right now. Our advisory board, uh, we have uh, three rock stars. Carlos Ujoa, which is the former team physician for the Colombian national soccer team. So he's done that over the last 10 years. Um, also the Olympic team, the tennis federation and the Copa America team. 
So Carlos is advising us on, on bringing products to market, both from a technical standpoint when it comes to, to how these products will be able to work for sports injuries and also for recreational injuries. Obviously, a lot of people play recreational sports, and we want to bring in a line of products that will be able to, to deal with muscle injuries, to deal with joint injuries, and to deal with, with an overall wellness um, of the human body. Javier Patino used to be the general manager of Yambal, uh, one, of the, one of the bigger companies in Colombia. He was the gentleman um, involved in the division that brought Quaker, Quaker Oats to Latin America, not only in Colombia, but in other jurisdictions. Um, he's done 150 product launches throughout the country and throughout Latin America. And he is a graduate, he's, a, he's the um, graduate of Wharton Business School. And Dr. Luis Viegas is a pain specialist. Um, so he specializes in acute and chronic pain. Um, and he's assisting us with bringing forth medication on the prescription side and the incorporation of THC-based medicine into, into our, uh, into our uh, strategy. Um, this is a recent development. We have signed a clinical research partnership with the Foscal Hospital. So Foscal is one of the largest tertiary care centers in Colombia. They have about 2 million square feet of hospital space. It rivals um, some of the hospitals in Canada and the United States. Uh, they have 410 hospital beds, 350 medical specialists, and 300 medical consultants. Um, so they, they, they are a, a giant when it comes to the space. So the goal is, as we proceed forward, to bring forth medical-based cannabis prescription medication to patients within Santander and then branching out within Colombia and, and the greater Latin America. We have developed a medical cannabis cluster in Santander, which is the department that we're located in. Um, Santander is the leader in Colombia when it comes to healthcare. So Colombia spends, Colombians spend about $22 billion on healthcare. Uh, those are 2017 numbers. They have about 5.6 million patients. Um, so Santander is at the leader of, of the healthcare industry. The co-development and sales agreement is between three companies, Green Health Colombia, our fully owned subsidiary, um, Saludar, which is a, a provider of health services, and Medical Precision Care, which is an Invima registered master pharmacy. The goal here is to write prescriptions, have medical precision care, fulfill those prescriptions on the formulation side, and then deliver those prescriptions to, to, to uh, patients. The goal within uh, the next two years is to achieve anywhere between 10,000 to 20,000 medical patients as we work through uh, the, 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 greater adopt the greater adoption of medical cannabis-based prescription medication. Um, so that is the goal in the country. And obviously with um, Saludar, um, we've lined up a, 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 a lot of doctors that would be willing to write prescriptions for us now. And of course, the Foscal group um, as we bring forth uh, medication into Colombia. JGB is a large consumer packaged goods company. They have more than a thousand employees in Cali. We have signed a co-development agreement to incorporate CBD into their existing product lines, but also develop new product lines uh, that contain CBD. Obviously, JGB is a giant. They have manufacture, they have distribution um, within the country, something that, that Cana Verde does not have. Um, and, and with this partnership, we hope to bring forth uh, medical products uh, to the uh, Colombia and also to Latin America. And obviously, JGB was voted one of the best brands in the country over the last few years. Um, so a fantastic partnership for us.
Promi is another consumer package company. Um, we are doing the same thing that we're doing with JGB and we're bringing forth products um, on, on, a, on a line. So we'll start with a line of products that would actually be delivered into the Faranda hotels. So the Faranda group, which is a, a hotel group with properties in Spain, Colombia, Panama, Mexico, Dominican Republic, and Venezuela. So we are starting with toiletries in their hotel rooms. We're focusing on two hotels, uh, La Factoria and, uh, and Hotel Bantu. Those are in Cartagena. Obviously, COVID has had a, a terrible impact, not only from a health perspective, but also for the tourism industry in Colombia and elsewhere. Um, so we are uh, committed to this project. However, we have some uncertainty as to the delivery of this product into, into so we have the products already, they've been tested. Um, they have, they, we've, done, we've done all of the studies required for us to be able to deliver this. The problem obviously has been uh, the, the adoption of, of, of these products into the hotel rooms and obviously the, the tourism industry that has been decimated by, by this coronavirus. Um, we also have a sales agreement for um, to deliver two and a half million US dollars uh, throughout 2021. Uh, that's about 3.25 million Canadian dollars. Uh, we have other agreements in place to deliver CBD and THC based medication, and we're working through that. Obviously, COVID has had an impact on our facilities. Um, we've been very, very careful and we take social responsibility uh, to heart. Um, obviously, we want to have our employees as safe as possible and we want to make sure that they're sequestered, that they have all the PPE available uh, for them to work. Um, at uh, the high end of our employee count, we had 86 employees on our facility. Obviously, that number has had to decrease um, in terms of any number of employees on the facility at the same time due to the COVID restrictions. Um, our capital structure is very clean. Um, we have done two capital raises to date, one in 2000 and late 2018, early 2019. That was for $2.135 million at a valuation of 30 cents. Um, and the last um, capital raise we did was for just over $3 million in a debenture. That was done in July and August of 2019. Um, so we raised about $5.2 million to date. We've been very, very careful, and I've been taught this by, by two of the greatest Canadian businessmen of all time. Um, we've been very, very careful as to how we spend money, where our capital is allocated, and how we proceed in terms of building the facilities. As you can see, we have built facilities, we have achieved all of the permits and the licensing in place, and we have done anything on a budget that's much less than uh, most of our competitors. So, of course, the competitors that we do have, public information on. Um, some have raised uh, over $100 million. Some have raised in the 40 to 50 million. We have raised a significantly less amount of that, but we have achieved results that, that, are, uh, are, uh, that, that can compare to, to, some of our, to some of our competitors and some of our, uh, uh, in Colombia. Um, so $7.27 million valuation of the company. So we believe that this is fairly valued um, given the economic conditions at this time. Um, so we're seeking five uh, million and a maximum of ten. Um, we're not willing to go past ten given the current structure of the company um, and and the ownership. Um, so it's a two-year debenture. Um, it yields ten percent. It is um, converted into equity of sixty cents either IP or maturity, um, and all of that capital is going to be used for Colombia. Um, so to continue to build out the facilities um, as we focus on the THC side of it and the medical strain, um, obviously with doctors and clinics, we want to be able to put some, some capital towards medical precision care for us to be able to scale up that operation and, and have as many prescriptions as possible um, as we move out the stable of doctors and the increase in patients. Um, the uh, JGB and Promi and the Fernanda Hotels, 
um, as well as operating expenses. So that's a quick no breath overview of the company. Um, um, and I look forward to questions. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for sharing um, the opportunity at Canaver de Pharma. We invite uh, now uh, our chats. So uh, welcome, John. How are you, John? Thank I'm you. doing well. And Carol, by the way, that was an excellent presentation overview of the different uh, countries in Latin America, giving us a perspective on what their legal regimes are. So deeply appreciated, by the way. Thank and you. I just want, and I want to acknowledge your remark too about Colorado. I've always felt that addiction, drug abuse is a health issue, a mental health issue, not a criminal matter. So hopefully we'll get smarter about this. Anyways, Michael, good presentation. You're a pro. Uh, we both graduated from the same university. I did my MBA at York. So congratulations for choosing a great place. Um, Thank you, sir. <laughs> what I'm going to start with, I'm just going to go, I just want to know a little bit more about your property. I want to know about the seven licensed hectares. I want to know about the land. I want to know basically what the altitude is. Just tell me a little bit more about that, please, about your facilities. Because the one problem is when you look at a topographical map of Colombia, as you well know, right, it could be kind of challenging. It doesn't really give you a good view, a good understanding. And without walking the land, it's hard to say what it's like. So if you don't mind just touching upon that briefly. Yeah, absolutely. So we have seven flat hectares. So we, we're located in the Mesa de los Santos, which is about 40 minutes just outside of Bucaramanga. So um, we have seven flat hectares uh, of land with the option to go up to 100 hectares in the area. Mm -hmm. So it's it's one of the safest uh, areas in the country. Um, the We've had fantastic relations with the mayor, with the church, uh, with the police, which is four kilometers away. Mm -hmm. So the whole facility has been, um, has been leveled properly to ensure that we have the ability to build a greenhouse. We have a uh, fence around the property uh, that's uh, electrified. Uh, because that's what the Ministry of Justice has allowed us. Two entrances, one at the front, one at the back. Um, the, the land is fertile, but we have elected to grow in pots. And now we're making the, the change to uh, going in the greenhouse, but having uh, soil on the floor. Um, it is, uh, the greenhouses are state of the art when it comes to, to the type of greenhouse that we need. Obviously, the cost of the greenhouse is much less than we would do in Canada because we only have one climate. Um, we have irrigation system, we have a water plant that takes in the water and removes any of the stuff that we don't want in the water and then it goes into the plants. Uh, we have the extraction facility is almost complete. Um, we have a, a man-made aquifer, we have drilling permit um, because we sit on top of an aquifer. We have 24 hour security on, on the premise. It is 1700 meters above sea level. Okay. So it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic place. It's, so Shane has been growing cannabis on the medical side for a long time. So he went to Colombia and on his third cultivation, he called me and he said, Mike, I have never grown this cannabis, this type of cannabis, this potent, this, this beautiful in all of my time in the industry. Um, so it is, it, is, it is a fantastic area to grow in. Um, it's a fantastic jurisdiction. Uh, the mayor has been fantastic. The police uh, comes in once a week, um, not to see anything outside of the fact that they want to see how how everything's progressing and they want to smell the plants. Um, so it's we have we have great great relationship with that. We have a, a local school that we've built. A, so we've um, talked to uh, people around the area and we said, look, we have construction workers, we have management team, we have a, a people that can assist with various projects. So the, uh, just to give you an example, the local school, which is not too far from us, they needed a ramp built for a, a, um, a student that required wheelchair access. So obviously we have construction workers, so we got on that right away, so we built a ramp. 
Um, we've done all kinds of things like that to ensure that, that we are a part of the community and we are, uh, but it's, it's perfect land, straight, uh, flat, perfect growing conditions. And, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's as soon as we get up to the seven hectares, uh, we'll, we'll, we think we have been very successful because that yields a significant amount of cats. Okay, Carol, if I may, one more question for Michael. Um, what's your, and this is challenging because um, it's sometimes hard to come up with a single number, but what would you say is your projected cost per gram for producing, say, your sativas? So um, we- Or to say your narrow leaves, rather. But go ahead, please. We, we don't have, so we can't achieve the economies of scale that other companies that have a much bigger footprint than us. Right. So um, we, we are growing CBD, but after a while, it'd be much cheaper for us to purchase CBD of high quality rather right. than grow it. Uh, but on the THC side, uh, we are, um, because of the cost and because of the prices, and also because it's, a, it's, it's an API, so it's going to be right. a, an active pharmaceutical ingredient. So right. Canaverde will take an active role in growing that cannabis. Yes. So we anticipate, so given the higher price and everything else, we can go to as low as six to seven cents a gram. Uh, that's actually that's actually pretty good you know uh, farmers yellow recently did a financing you're no doubt aware i participated in it and they're claiming five cents so i mean geez you know when you're pitching pennies i don't think it's going to make much difference quality is going to matter so that's great um i have more questions but i sure but i yield to other members other sharks who may have questions for you we can take this offline thank you john absolutely I'll jump in if nobody else has a question yet. Um, want to know about more about your capital structure. I, I apologize about the construction. There's a drunk driver who drove into an attorney's office. Unfortunately, it wasn't a DUI attorney, but uh, I digress. So uh, sorry about that. Um, real quick though, Michael, your capital structure, why did you choose warrants uh, during a cap raise? Curious about the, the strategy or uh, why you decided to issue warrants. So the warrants were only in relation to paying fees on the capital raise that we did for the $3 million. So what we did is we had an agreement in place with the investment bank that assisted us with that. And the payment was 8% in cash and 8% in broker warrants. And those are the only warrants that are available or there are part of the capital structure. Outside of that, there are no warrants. So what we did is we did a straight equity financing at 30 cents, the initial one and the second uh, raise we did it at the venture uh, that is still available today in the same in the same form. Uh, but that's the only reason why we have the warrants. They're broker warrants. Okay, so to pay for the fees, I get it. And then uh, your cap table, how many participants are there? Um, cap tables can get kind of messy. So how many do you have so far? We have uh, just over 130 shareholders. So no one holds more than 10% of the company. So we've been, we've been very careful about that. Our biggest investors are two institutional funds, one out of Europe and one out of Canada, uh, but they hold less than 10%. So we have, we have a wide distribution of, of shareholding. Um, that was done on purpose just to ensure that one person doesn't decide to sell out. Um, and then of course, um, have, have a negative impact on our capital structure. Um, so that is uh, at about 130 shareholders to date. And last question, Carol, unless, unless I can keep going, uh, want to know more about the LOI. So post pandemic, I would think that that's going to be an issue with cancellations, wondering when those LOIs were signed and what your uh, take is on the percentage of those completing given the, the pandemic and uh, uncertainty. 
So I, I, I want to um, say that the, these are not LOIs, but these are definitive agreements. Um, so um, the definitive agreement has been signed with JGB. Obviously, that was pre-COVID. JGB, we, we've spoken recently, they're still ready to go in terms of delivering those products to the market. They, they realize that part of the solution um, is, is, uh, is medical cannabis plays an active role. CBD um, obviously plays an active role. So that contract is, is safe. And, and the uncertainty is when do we deliver the products? When can we scale up manufacturing? And how can we do certain things? The PROMI agreement is also a definitive agreement. The uh, sale of flour is also a definitive agreement. And um, the, uh, the, the, the agreements with Saludar, the agreements with Foscal, and the agreement with Medical Precision Care are all definitive in nature. Um, we keep track of, of all of our uh, all of our agreements, and we have conversations to ensure that everything is on board. The only one that I'm certain about is the Foranda Hotels, and obviously they are the ones that have suffered the most. Um, and we're looking to see how we can we can how we go forward on that. The problem has been is that so we've had we've spoken to to a lot of people. The Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines that are coming out, they're not stopping transmission. They're only helping with the symptoms. So if, if that is the case, then, then how do we achieve herd immunity and what happens in terms of people continuously passing the virus onto themselves? So that's the one we're uncertain about. Everyone else that we've talked to recently um, and everything is on board in terms of delivering on this uh, is just being pushed forward by some time. Thank you, Josh. And thank you, John, for, for your questions. Someone, are you ready? Yeah, I'm here. Michael, I'd, first of all, I'd like to just congratulate you on your, your executive team and advisory team in particular, but also about Saludar, medical precision care as well. I know that JGB is a giant, so well done, as well as with Promi. It's, Thank you. It's actually very impressive. Well done. Um, I wanted to ask, though, with regards to it, it sounds like a lot of these offtakes have to do with the non-psychoactive marketplace, whereas I think I understood you saying that it sounds like you're focusing on psychoactive cultivars for your pruebas de evaluación agronómica. And so help me to understand that lack of congruence between the market and strategics that you're focusing on currently. And it sounds like a longer term cultivar and IP focus on the psychoactive marketplace. How do those yeah, two no, things that's fit together? Great question. So uh, the eight registered cultivars that we have, um, five of those are high CBD. And, and there's one where we're talking about the, it's, it's about 15% CBD. Um, so, and as we get higher, so we have other ones in the 57 uh, strains that are going through the registration. So every single strain, so we've had 65 strains in total. Every single one has been harvested. Every single one has been extracted and every single one has been completed when it comes to the evaluation side of it. What now we're doing is that the eight cultivars that have gone through and have been registered by ICA, those have already, so we can now start commercial production. Three THC high, five CBD high. So we can sell CBD based and it's 99.9%. .9%, so we can sell CBD based into all of these, into Faranda, into JGB, uh, into Promi, into all of those. So that's covered as well. And now the remaining cultivars, now we're focusing on the formula magistral and the, and the prescription medication. So we have THC cultivars ready to go in terms of that. And we have the 57 additional ones that we're going through the documentation stage. I'm sure you know, just for the eight cultivars, it was 120 pages of data and documentation. So you can imagine what that document looks like for an additional 57. 
Um, so that's where we are as well. So, and the reason we have done these partnerships is that JGB is manufacturing their distribution and doing all of this stuff. All we have to do in that is co-develop, so assist them with the products with Peter Chen and, and Ivan Osma. But at the same time, uh, we can just deliver the CBD-based uh, extracts. And then they'll be able to take that and then run with that. Same thing with Promi, same thing with the, with the toiletries at Paranda Hotel. What we're intimately involved with now is the Postcal Group, Salutar, and Medical Precision Care. We're taking an active role in the delivery of THC-based medication as we, as we look through the THC-based prescription medication. And then we're taking an active role in that. And I think that is one of the, uh, the revenue streams that the company is most focused on. So we have three revenue streams in total. One on the topicals and the CBD and, and, and with, with Carlos Ulloa and with, with uh, JGB and all others. The other one's flower cells and extract cells. Um, and the other one is uh, the medical side of it and the prescription medications. Okay, and I understand that you have a giant from Canada um, probably bringing strains, trying to stabilize them and register them. I, we also, our company has 250 strains registered. We just went through PEAS as well uh, on the North Coast, as well as in Cundinamarca. Um, but really what it comes down to, especially with THC, is the stabilization of these cultivars. And so who is your Colombian agronomist, your fito mejorador, your breeding and selection specialist that actually has experience here in equatorial biological assets, not just the temperate North, but real experience with botrytis, um, all of the pathologies that we have, Clothoptera, et cetera, et cetera, that you only have to deal with here in Colombia specifically. So who is your Colombian agronomist or Fito Mejorador? We, we have two. Um, so Andres and Nicolás. So obviously, so what we have done is we have married Shane's scientific and growing history. So he's been growing for, for, for a significant amount of time. He, the science behind it, the nutrients, the soil formulation and all of those, he's a genius when it comes to that. But we can't take something that was grown in a greenhouse in, in climatic conditions in Canada during winter with fake light and fake all of those things. We can't do that and bring that to Colombia. Obviously, we needed someone to be able to um, talk about the growing conditions and the, the sun. The sun is different. The sun doesn't go the same way as you get closer to the equator. The moon and, and a variety of other conditions. And obviously, avocados, for example, some of the, the, the bananas. So they have certain fungi that can, that can and obviously we've had that where the avocados were, were have fungi that would be detrimental to the cannabis plants. So we have two uh, magnificent agronomers here, one of which is studying for PhD, um, which, which kind of is, is happy to put him through those studies. Um, and he is an expert when it comes to funguses, insects, um, and soil. Um, so that's number one. And then we have another who's, who's, who's been growing for some time, and he is excellent when it comes to how the plant grows in the climactic conditions close to the equator. So we've married okay. the two. And so yeah. you're bringing these uh, psychoactive cultivars to equatorial stabilization. But could you speak a little bit towards the, the THC marketplace that you're actually focusing on and, and where you plan to take that over the next couple of years? Yeah, so basically, so all of the screens are in the country. Um, so some of the screens were available in Colombia that we, 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 we spent a great deal of time trying to find it. And then the other ones were basically um, brought in from California, brought in from Spain, brought in from Afghanistan, uh, brought in from places where the growing is, the, the climactic conditions are similar to Colombia. Not the same, but similar. So as we begin the prescription market is obviously the opioid crisis has, has been uh, prevalent within, within most, most countries. So we are basically focusing on doctor prescription medications, same thing as Germany. Um, so Germany is a great example of how what they've done in terms of the medical market and how they've evolved that and, and to the prescription medication. So that's our goal there is basically to 
uh, bring forth prescription medication of the highest quality. So turning our cannabis into API, active pharmaceutical ingredients. So we've talked to a bunch of healthcare companies, some from the US, some from Canada, some from Colombia, to be able to take that product and then have that product registered and prescribed to patients um, as we move forward on the prescription medication side. Very interesting. So you're looking at the psychoactive marketplace in terms of the potentiation between these molecules for pharmaceutical products. And you're anticipating that that marketplace opens up, frankly, fast enough because we're looking at a, a GMP extraction facility that you guys are raising capital for. We know how long that takes to build. We know how long or how much that's going to cost. And we don't quite yet have a mature psychoactive marketplace. So I, I'm yet to hear of a company that's developing, you know, potentiated uh, molecular pharmaceutical products based on the psychoactive marketplace. It's actually yep. pretty interesting for me to hear. No, of course. And, and that's just, so again, we have, so obviously the uncertainty in the Colombian market and elsewhere as well, we have different arrows going into different directions. So to be able to say, well, this is a long-term project that we can work on that we think will be very sustainable and profitable. This is another project that we're going here as the, the Colombian development, as the Colombian market develops further and as Brazil opens up more and as Mexico brings in the legislation, everything else. So that's just one of the things that we're focusing on. And then obviously we're focused on, so you can write formula magistral today. So you can have doctors prescribing medication and medical precision care can go ahead and can fulfill those medications. So we can do that today and we know there's a significant market available to us from that. As we move into more on the technical side of the THC, but that's obviously a two to five year timeframe uh, in our opinion, but we can deliver uh, medical based prescriptions today. And that's the company's main focus. Excellent, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you uh, Karen, welcome. Do you have any questions for, for Michael? Hi, Carol. Yes. Hi, Michael. Uh, first, super presentation. Uh, it was super interesting. And my question is about something that I didn't see here, but maybe uh, you have on your mind or you are working on it. And I want to know. Uh, what sustainability and impact programs uh, do Canaverde have and how do they align with the UN Sustainable Development Goals or with the ESG framework? Excellent question. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. So um, the first five UN Development Goals deal with no poverty, zero hunger, um, quality education, um, and development, health development. So um, what we have done is we have basically the, I wanna start with the minimum wage. The minimum wage in Colombia is about 300 US dollars. So we have decided that that is just a, a yardstick. So every single one of our employees um, starts with a 40% on top of that. Um, that basically generates and, and allows our employees to be able to not live at the minimum wage, but to be able to live 40% higher. And that's just the start. Furthermore, all of our employees are on formal contracts which entails that they have government-run health programs that Canada Verde and Green Health Columbia pay for. So the healthcare, the healthcare of our employees is very important. Gender equality. So um, we try to get to 50, 50%, 50% men, 50% women for most of the time. Um, obviously there was a period in our life where we had a lot of construction on the property. So the, the ratio was skewed as constructions are mainly, um, mainly men jobs. Uh, but now it's 53% men and 47% women. Um, our CFO in Colombia is a woman. 
um, our head of licensing and, and making sure that all licenses in place is a woman, Angie Lincoln, um, and Andrea Flores is our CFO. Um, the so we have a lot of women in charge of, of various things. And uh, for example, our health and care, health and safety specialist on the, on the uh, manager on the property, um, Jessica. So we, we, are, we wanna get to 50-50 as, as, as uh, most of the time. So that's uh, number one. Uh, we have a zero waste um, on, on our property. So basically, so we've talked to farmers in the area to see where can we take the soil after we have used it for the cannabis. We talked about uh, others in where can we take the stems um, and the cannabis that we don't that we have to discard the cannabis plant. Where can we take that and can that be feed for animals? Uh, so that's that's also something that we have. So and the most important one is water. Water permits are very difficult to obtain. In, in Colombia, as you know. Um, so we have our water permits and everything's done, but we have done a study of the last 10 years of waterfall in Mesa de los Santos. So we have said that um, on any given year, on average, from 50 to 60% of our water use can come from rain. So all of our greenhouses have been built on a three degree slope. So we have put pipes on top of the greenhouse so that the, the water falls on top of the greenhouses, goes through a piping system, it goes into an aquifer that we made, then it goes through the water plant, um, and then it goes into our plants. So um, we are using 30 to 40% less water from the aquifer. Sorry, 50 to 60% less water from the aquifer, which is a fantastic um, opportunity as well there. Um, and so we are a global citizen, um, obviously we're headquartered in Canada, but we're very, very comfortable with our strategy to ensure that um, Colombians win. So out of all of our employees, so we had 86 employees um, in May of 2019, only four of those employees were foreign. Um, and of those 86 employees, 43% were rural from Mesa de los Santos, 46% uh, were from Santander, the rest from Colombia, and only four employees were from Canada. Um, so um, that is part of the pro progress that we're doing, and, and obviously the sustainable goals of the UN um, is something that we strive for. Our employees have transportation to and from the facility. Our employees have daily lunches that we provide for them. Um, we've had kids come in and we've set up a, a small childcare just for us to be able to, to handle that as we move forward. Um, so um, we're, we're there's just a few of the things that we've done. Thank you so much, Karen. And thank you so much, Michael, uh, Josh, Samuel, and, and John uh, for, for your questions and your excellent presentation. Uh, Michael, if you want to reach Michael, feel free to reach us and also feel free to reach him directly at michael uh, at canaverdepharma.com. Um, feel free to ask for, for their information. We have um, their updated pitch deck and their financial information if you are interested in following up. We will definitely follow up with all the network Welcome, Daniel. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have Daniel here. I have, I, I have the honor to meet Daniel about almost, oh my God, almost like seven years ago. Uh, Daniel is, is one of those very, very few uh, women entrepreneurs in the cannabis space. Uh, she's located in Colorado. Uh, she's a pioneer, she's a leader. And I, I invited I invited Daniel today because um, we need to update uh, um, we need to update us regarding um, marketing in the digital space. Uh, Daniel is a creative art director, marketing specialist, web designer, communicator, and public relations guru. 
in digital print and audiovisual areas with more than 12 years of experience and almost a decade of experience in cannabis already. Uh, Cana Latino is one of those very few, few channels um, that we, uh, that, that, that we, um, uh, that our Latino community have in, in the United States to, to promote what we do in, in cannabis. And, and as I said before, well, Daniel, have the opportunity to increase your sales in about 50% by reaching the Latino audience uh, that is learning about the benefits and wellness uh, from, from, from the cannabis plant. So welcome, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us today. And it's such a pleasure to have you here, my friend. Bienvenida, amiga. Thank you for having me. I'm from Venezuela, but we're going to do this in English because everybody's speaking Spanish. So I wanted to give something to you guys also. <laughs> my name is Daniela Espinel, and for me, it's a real pleasure to be here, especially because we've been friends, Carol and I, for longer than I've been, I can remember that, you know, it's the things that happen in the cannabis industry. We met, we smoked together and we're a friend with weed is a friend indeed. <laughs> and so I think this uh, industry had a lot of that, you know, like we've been doing, we've been friends before we started this industry. This industry here in the United States to start uh, things to all the people that they were smoking together, to all the people that keep the knowledge of cannabis as a medicine. So that is amazing. So thank you for everybody, to everybody that is here. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna share a presentation for a little bit. And I'm also gonna talk to you because I think is important, but let me tell you a little bit of what I do. I'm the founder uh, of Cana Latino. Cana Latino, is uh, I created Canal Latino in 2014 when I moved to Colorado. And I moved to Colorado, uh, the reason was because of my son and my health issues as well. So I'm not just a part of the industry, I'm also a patient. <laughs> and for me, the message was really clear. I was Latina, I was looking for uh, education in Spanish. I was looking to tell my people in Spanish what was happening and I have nothing, zero. By that time, there was no uh, education in Spanish or communication in Spanish. So Cana Latino in 2014, uh, we, we made Cana Latino and Cana Latino was, is the first education and media channel of the United States in Spanish for the Latino community, community specifically for cannabis. And this is huge because Cannabis is against the Latinos. <laughs> we all know why this prohibition bring to all our community. Well, not really, because we still have illegal cannabis in Latin America. And if we knew what really happened and how really this is going, uh, you know, it, how was, we're never gonna, you know, like we never did it <laughs> if we knew what, 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 was, what we were doing. So, you have here in Spanish and English, Canal Latino, it's a community devoted to promote the education about cannabis to all Latin America and the world on their, their premise of investigate, educate yourself and act. If you are not knowing what you're gonna say, please don't say it. <laughs> because especially in cannabis, it's probably gonna be a lie. 
<laughs> so we are being helping the community. We are being educated with different ways. We have uh, the we have a magazine. I'm also write a book. I'm going to show you in a few seconds. And we're also been helping different companies, different channels uh, on the education. We do education assistance for patients. We do content and mass media creation for different media. We do documentaries, films, cannabis conference, public relation, anything that you need from here to there and from there to here, because you probably don't have language and you want to get into the Latino market. We're gonna, we can fix that. <laughs> we also have a cannabis education business uh, coaching plan because, and this is something that we're gonna talk about a little bit more because about marketing. A lot of people, uh, we're masters into these marketing strategies, especially organically, like uh, Miss Juanita from Canyamo from was telling us, uh, it's really hard to find the right people. It's really hard to educate your community. So we're here to do that. So we do different, like I say, we do different uh, things for different companies. Um, oops, sorry, let me just go to the next one. Okay, and these are some of the media channels they were being, oh, they were being working. Uh, they were will be working, we have uh, worked with, sorry. And these channels, we've been providing education, we'll be providing content, where you're providing uh, different type of media for them. So I wanted to, um, for example, in the case of, can of Telemundo, because again, Juanita was telling about how hard it is to get into the regular media. None of the products can get into regular media. We're out of everything. We cannot say the word marijuana or cannabis or anything because people freak out. So what we do is we generate pieces for other media. So in the case of Telemundo, we generate the first piece that won an Emmy for the Latino market in cannabis. <laughs> so we are very proud of what we do. We also have the first magazine in Spanish uh, about cannabis and science and it's medical issue. Uh, we have different type of media, of course, uh, as, as well online. And in the, uh, in the magazine, for example, we put like all the legalizations and all the links with QR codes. We try to educate the community as much as possible and also as well, the companies. And I'm also a writer of this amazing book that is the first recipe book written in Spanish for a Latina. Because before me, no one had the guts to say, I wanted to cook with cannabis. I wanna make an arepa with cannabis. So, well, you will have the recipe here of the arepa. <laughs> and I wanted to uh, I'll tell you a little bit of what I do, but I wanted to give you something because I think this whole uh, event is about to give back and what we do as well is to give back to the community. So I wanted to talk to you about how really marketing can change our whole industry and can change our whole business. And I've been seeing in all these years that I've been working with companies nonstop that a lot of companies have beautiful and amazing business plans, but they don't include marketing into that percentage of your business plan. Everyone forget, who are you gonna sell the product to? You need to know your market. And 
especially in the Latino market, it's a market that have no clue about cannabis, zero. We have fear we're gonna die. Our mothers are gonna help us if we murder someone. If we kill someone, our mom is gonna dig a ditch and we, no one's gonna know about it. But if our, the same mother caught us smoking weed, it's gonna kick us out of our home. So how do you gonna sell your CBD line, your cannabis, your bombs, your anything to anyone that is afraid? So the first things that we have to think in our business plan, and I think this is very important, is the marketing strategy and the marketing plan. You know, in the world of the marketing, you know, we always say, oh yeah, we, we wanted to have marketing and we have an idea, we're gonna do advertising, we're gonna do promotion. And of course we're gonna have that. Let's put, I don't know, any percentage, 2%, 5%. The reality is that if you really wanted to have an impact in the industry, you have to have between one and 25% of your budget destinated to marketing. You see how it's not that small? And when you have your whole business plan and when you have all the money there and you get the product, if you don't have the key piece to sell it, you're done. That's it. <laughs> you know, that is the worst thing that can happen because you fight a lot, you did a lot of things, you find the right people to make your product, but you are not having the people who's going to buy it. And believe me, your aunt, your mom, your grandmother, they're going to buy CBD the first three times, but how much do you produce? <laughs> for them to buy. We need to educate our community and we need to think about the plan that we're going to have. What is uh, things that we can find in a marketing plan? Because there's two things. There's a strategy and with the strategy, we're going to learn, you know, um, how is the business positioned? Uh, where is the segment? Who's my target? All the route of the market, you know, how we're going to sell. But the plan is the most important part because that was the strategy. The plan is going to tell you how are you going to do all this stuff. And if you have a marketing plan, uh, you can, you know, like have all the attention on your product and you're not going to have different type of things that are going to shine around you. And there's a syndrome that is real. It's super real and it's called the shiny object syndrome. All the, the entrepreneurs have that syndrome because we wanted to do so many things, especially in the cannabis industry. There's so many possibilities. We wanna have the line of the CBD. We're gonna have the hotel with CBD. We're gonna have the shampoo. We're gonna have everything, dog food, whatever. you know. And you start talking to entrepreneurs and, and they start telling you all the things that they wanna do. And it's always, amazing but if you see uh for example uh, the biggest person that are in, in in the business they will not do all the things that they think they do all the things that they go for richard branson will, will never gonna have a list of everything that that dude is being invented or created in his mind but he had an end he walked the walk 
to do the things and he had a plan and a strategy. That's why it's so important to have marketing strategy and plan in your, uh, in your business plan. Another thing that it will give you, it will give you transparency and it will give you clarity and constant. Because if you have people working for you and they don't know what to do, it's a chaos. You have to give them a route. You have to give them a way to go to everyone that is in your business plan. And marketing is the most important key because you have to tell the people how to do the things to sell the product, to finally have the revenue. If you're someone who's asking money to get your, your business, then how do you gonna tell your investor how are you going to give back that money the business plan you have to be the most amazing thing there and the best thing that you have there and the most studied things that you have there because that's how you're going to tell everybody that's how you're going to have your money back because we are going to secure this sale and we're going to have these clients that we're going to have this we got this that's how you show other people that you have this and there's, again, there's so many things that we have to identify when we have, you know, like to make um, this plan. Uh, I told you already that uh, the investment, it will depend between 1% and 25%. What are the, the things that we have to know about that? Uh, it's a new brand. So if it's a new brand, your market is going to be harder because no one knows you. So you need to know uh, where are you in the market? If, uh, if it's a new brand, how, what is your time frame for you to have the people to know you? That is also gonna depend because you're probably gonna have to spend a little bit more. And of course, you're gonna, uh, this document that I'm talking about as the business strategy, as a marketing strategy, is a living creature. <laughs> because it's gonna walk and it's gonna breathe and it's gonna eat while you are walking, eating, and growing as well in your company. So you're probably going to have a bigger investment in marketing right now that you're in the launching than the one that you're going to have on you, I don't know, growing process because people already know you and, you know, like there you have already your clients going by and doing everything. You're probably going to be, you know, that's when you're going to rearrange your resources but you're going to know your resources when you are a very strategic people <laughs> and you have to do it. If you are doing business planning, you want to do um, a business, definitely you have to have a great methodology. And these are kind of like the tips that I'm giving you here. Think about also uh, what is the, what is the worth? What, what is your business worth? How much are you asking? If I'm asking for a, $5 million um, business, you know, like capital for my business, I cannot make $2,000 budget for marketing. Sorry. But a regular one will be around 7, 5%, which is, you know, like the, what the market is saying that every, I'll, I'll, most of the industries are, are investing right now. We're talking about almost, uh, we're talking about 300 $75,000 that you have to spend on marketing if you pretend to sell or to have a company of $5 million, at least that. So these are real numbers and these are real money. And what are you gonna do with that money? 
that is what you need the plan. That's where you need to be organized and say, okay, this is going to be for this advertising or for this media, or we're going to, of course, sponsor Cana Latino because we're always looking for sponsors. <laughs> but you're going to go also, you're going to go with Canyamo as well. Uh, but then those uh, prices that you're or this money that you're, you know, like getting there, they have to give you as well a return. And that's how you're gonna also measure the, the effectivity of your campaign. And you see if this is this going well with something, is this going well with, with a lot of things. Remember that in digital market, we are not allowed right now to do any buying of, you know, like we don't have Google ads, we don't have Google words, we don't have Instagram, uh, promotion, Facebook, anything, nothing. Um, because it had to be very calm, let's say it like that, you know, like <laughs> the, the way that we do it, it. People really don't want promotion. And let me tell you something, the difference between promotion and education in the United States by the law is life sentence. So we have to be very careful of what we do as well and how do we promote. We don't promote cannabis. We educate about cannabis because we want people to buy good products and to feel better and have the best quality of life. That's what we do. And I wanted to finish. Uh -huh. Yeah, my dog is clapping. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to finish uh, this presentation. I wanted to share again um, my screen with you guys. Hold on. Oh, just a second. Because I know there are so many things that we can think about when we're like, doing our promotions and doing our plan another thing is the quality and the trends like i was saying like, like i was saying we were we have to be prepared for the market that we have especially because we're not allowed to uh again buy anything extra <laughs> so i wanted to share just to close uh, this presentation um i wanted to share this beautiful uh quote from uh, Tzu, who's the he's the master of the art of war, and he says, "Oops, sorry. Yeah, strategy without ta tactic is the slowest route of victory. Tactic without a strategy is noise before the defeat, and that is something uh, that we need to have in mind because we really need to have. Sorry, I'm making a mess with my screen. I know." <laughs> I'm trying to get it right. Okay, here we are. So this is this is a great um, a great quote because it will tell you exactly what why the marketing plan and the strategy in the marketing strategy have to be on, in your business plan, but also as well in everything that we do. But this will lead you to victory for sure. And this is my contact and anything that I can help. You know what I do. You know how. You know now how passionate I am for <laughs> of what I do. So thank you very much for having me here. Thank you, Carol. Uh, please let me know if you have any question. Thank you, Daniel. No, this this is great. And definitely, a strategy, business strategy is is um, is necessary. Marketing strategy is necessary. 
And uh, talking about business administration theory is also necessary understanding what kind of marketing strategy you're going to use depending on the life cycle of your product, your service, or even the industry if you're asking for money as well. So there's a strategy in marketing for both, for selling, but also for fundraising. And when you're a startup, um, you know, business management theory says that one of the major key investments that you should be doing is marketing. So um, talking about this emerging industry and this startup industry in Latin America, marketing strategy is uh, essential, marketing strategy is needed, and it should be one of the biggest expenses in your, um, actually in your, in your uh, financial statements. Uh, because you're a startup and you need to show and you need to um, educate your public regarding your products and your service. And also you need to educate your investors. So always remember to have both um, uh, marketing strategy for selling your products or, or promoting your services. But also you, if you're fundraising, you need a marketing strategy to reach um, your affected investors uh, efficiently. Um, and, and talking about marketing, uh, uh, um, I, I would love to introduce um, Good4. I think when, when I saw, when I had the opportunity to, to, to learn about Good4, I, I thought about, about their marketing strategy because I think it's remarkable. I think, I think Jeff and, and his team have, have done a great, a great, great job regarding marketing, um, especially especially in, 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 as I said before, in an emerging industry, in a startup industry in, in America, really, when, 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 when we still don't have um, a Coca-Cola, we still don't have a Kleenex, we still don't have these type of uh, names or, or these products already um, taking a huge share of the market. So welcome, Jeff, um, welcome, good for, and, and, and tell us about, about your great products. And uh, Daniel, you're, you're just going to see their, their incredible marketing strategy. I love it already, yeah. <laughs> right away. So, so welcome and thank you, Jeff, for joining us today. Thank you very much. There you have it. It's just, it's just straightforward. I love it. Okay, so you can see my screen now, correct? Yes, I can, I can see it. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Jeff Ullman. I'm in Colorado, Superior, Colorado, which is next door to Boulder, somewhat near Denver. And I appreciate the time you are all taking today to talk about investments that make sense and dollars. And lots of them, of course. Good for is unique in many ways, and, and, I, and I hope you'll uh, see that when uh, you see this, this deck. Uh, everybody knows people in pain, anyone, anywhere, anytime, everywhere. It's uh, painful to say, but it's never ending. Uh, what does good for do? Well, we create, we manufacture, we you know, formulate, and we sell near pharmaceutical grade quality hemp, topicals and oral tinctures that use a number of FDA approved ingredients. Now, people pay to stop their pain. They pay a lot of money to pay to stop their pain. And this is not just in the United States or in any of the Americas. It's worldwide where they can afford it. 
It's a hundred plus plus, you know, USA market. It's a one trillion dollar plus global market. But our concentration for good four is more narrow, more focused, and it's about a two and a half, approaching a two point five billion dollar pain topical market. That's not just anything you take. So as I might say, no pain, no gain. Now that may sound manipulative, but we're providing a service. What's our motivation? Well, this is very personal to me because Good For was started uh, in 2016 when my wife, Cindy, was diagnosed with metastatic stage four breast cancer. Her prognosis, or as I say, her unkind death due date was six months later, about now four years ago. Um, that didn't happen. She didn't die. In fact, there's no evidence of any cancer in her. But what she had was pain, pain all over her body, throbbing pain or just stabbing pain or just a dull pain. She had neuropathy. It moved. It didn't groove. How do you get rid of it? Well, that's why uh, we, my family, not just me, created a formula um, that has evolved multiple times since then. And we found that when people have everyday pains, they're athletic, they're recreational, they're competitive, they're doing an errand, their job is such that if they're under stress, they're an electrician, a contractor, they, they type a lot, their neck hurts, they're a writer, anybody, blue collar, pink collar, white collar, everybody has pain caused from their work. That's good for business. See, there's one thing that every customer or every person who's in pain has on their mind. They want to stop it now. They want to stop their pain now. But, but what do they do? Do they just snap their fingers? Do they make a prayer? Uh, good for. Um, but they, so the number one question among people is, who do I trust? Why do I trust them? Uh, this, product, this product says, oh, it'll cure whatever. This one says it'll treat or heal. Some of these words are common to us, but not necessarily legally involved or allowed. Everything we write and say and produce is legally allowed because if we're going to be taking on investor dollars, which we hope many of you will do, uh, we want to keep you safe. It's part of healthcare and, and what we call wealth care. People want to know what's good for me, what's good for my family. So good for. We can demonstrate immediate benefits. Here's our team. Okay. Uh, you can see it. I also have a one-page document, which I can send you. And for those of you who are particularly qualified, you get a copy of this deck if you'd like. Milestones. We started the company in 2000, last year, 2019, but we did an extensive amount of product formulation and testing. In fact, every one of our products is tested independently by two different labs. We want to know about the oil, we want to actually it's three labs the oil and then all the other ingredients as well as the final topical the final product that gets to you the the thc amount is below 0.3 actually it's about approaching 0.2 it's a ridiculously tiny amount and you can also see that we started our website only mid-year we have over to about 200 ambassadors these are social influencers uh, we currently we are registering with the FDA, the USPTO, that's the patent office, 
And we're also about to conduct our first clinical trial will start in about 10 days. And this is why we can grow quickly. We have a, well, you can judge whether it's the best pain product or the best brand name. And I'll also give you a link today so you can request samples. There's no postage, there's no shipping, there's no handling, there's no contract, there's no taking of credit cards, there's no obligation. You like, you request it, we send it to you. You don't like it, forget us. We're not good for each other. But if you like it, well, we'll go from there. And this is how we've earned our results. Lots of proof. We're an evidence-based company. We just don't grab sales or marketing things that we think will, that we know will other people will respond. We didn't start our company by just selling, selling, and then saying, oops, sorry, oops, sorry. Well, that's nice. Let's use that. No, we did our proof first. I won't say our beta testers or our guinea pigs were our family and friends, but many were. Nobody got hurt. Not much pain. Lots of relief. People could, you know, get pain off their mind. Lots of scientific and legal proof. And you can see this for yourself. Now, we say judge us by these unique products. We believe in two types of pain. Physical pain, whatever, however and wherever it's caused, and emotional and psychological pain. Now, we do produce a good for pain, good for pets product. And I don't know if, if our, your animals are in pain, but it'll keep them in, in good wellness. And by the way, animals respond much quicker than humans to CBD. We have several products uh, or formulations in the product line. You can see them. Good for stress, good for sleep, good for immune support. One of my favorites, stopping sugar. No, I missed good for sex. But we also have good for inflammation. Inflammation oftentimes causes pain. But some of our ingredients like menthol and camphor are too strong to put on the face. So we have a different thing. And then good for massages. Many competitive advantages. Uh, even though we produce uh, in small volume so far, we have a very good, not exceptional though, but a very good price cost of goods, which will go down substantially as volumes increased. You can read about all this, many advantages. Financial pro forma, we believe in a very extremely, exceedingly conservative pro forma. And this is based on why? Because we don't want your expectations to be too great, too good for you. We don't want any complaints. We just like kudos. So we, we focus in on worst case scenarios so that everybody is protected. How about our success? Well, we're so far been a direct to consumer company, but that's changing first week of uh, February, or excuse me, first week of January. And we have many, in fact, our first video is coming out sponsored by the runexperience.com, which is the lar largest group of runners, amateur runners and semi-pro in the world. We are their exclusive sponsor. Your investment, not equity, at least not yet. It's convertible promissory notes. We're, the minimum raise is $25,000 per person or entity. It's not much. We're raising only a quarter million. We actually need closer to 750 in many ways, but 250 will be a lot. And that's why we are doubling your, your, your discount. When you convert it, you don't convert it at 10%, you'll convert it at 20%. Okay, uh, use of funds. You can see it here. Working capital inventory takes up most of it. But that's a fair term that includes many things, including contingency. But our real focus is on marketing. 
We own trademarks, not just in the United States, as you can see, but throughout the world. Here's how to reach me. And I'm available to talk with you right now or later. Thank you. Thank you, um, John, are, um, can you join us? Absolutely. Hola, Jeff. How you doing? Hola, John. In Panama still. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the life here. Um, but one day I hope to go up to Colorado and I can wear it superior, as I'm told. Anyways, um, I'm going to uh, do something a little bit different, right? And I'm going to ask you as an entrepreneur to tell me what your business is going to look like in three years. What do you think it's going to be? Visualize that and say to me, this is what I think we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. Um, I won't be involved anymore. And neither will most of my team because we'll have sold it to a U.S. domestic or a global consumer product company, most likely in wellness. They will purchase us primarily because of our intellectual property. So it'll be good for me. It'll be good for people <laughs> around the world. Um, I've created, I've been a serial entrepreneur. Right. And I've led a very Forrest Gump type of life. And I've been fortunate to learn from my mistakes being an entrepreneur, but I've been also a more successful entrepreneur in services and in, and in goods. And I've been on the cutting edge, sometimes the bleeding edge, but sometimes you bleed cash, which is right. good coming to you. Been there, done that. So, right. So I'm a ganjapreneur, like many of us today. Uh, and I'll always be involved in, in helping. That's just my, uh, my language of love, if you will. So three years, four years, five years, won't be sitting on the beach. I'll maybe you'll go to some beaches. I'll be smiling at my wife my family, my friends, and my investors. Okay. Jeff, curious okay. about that timeline with your exit strategy. Um, is that enough time for that FDA clinical trial? And what does the aftermath look like uh, with that? Trying to figure out what sets the business apart. Looks like the patents and, and the clinical trial. Wondering if you could talk about how long that's going to take and what, yes. your business is, what your business is going to look like after you get that. Excellent. We have the clinical trial already completed. It's all set up. All the equipment, all the materials, all the applications, all the approvals, all the products, all the samples. And uh, right now, and, and we're going to start in about 10 days. Um, I was shocked to learn two things. One, there are no known over-the-counter pain topical clinical trials, at least none that we can find. We are the first. And number two, while it's expensive, if you know what you're doing and you do it legally, it's, it's not in the hundreds of millions. Let's just put it that way. And incidentally, any investor is not repay, who invests is not repaying debt. I wish you were, but you're not. It's, it's a clean going forward. Um, so we expect the clinical trial to be done before Valentine's Day, so two months. Um, we don't need approval from the FDA on this. We have to register the results. We will do that. And that will be done in the first quarter as soon as possible. We, wa we want to succeed. Uh, my biggest question about the uh, clinical trial will be whether when we get our results, whether we should publish like Coke versus Pepsi, the specific names of the 
the best competitors, meaning the ones who are they're they're in more locations than us, etc. But I probably don't want to pick a fight. So we'll have that documentation and we'll compare ourselves in other, using other words. Is there anything I can incidentally show you, but not publicly, privately, confidentially, or anybody who requests, um, or most people who request, pardon me, precisely what's involved with our clinical trial and our USPTO and our patent, which is being done by uh, two patent attorneys who are also multiple PA, both have PhDs in, in uh, biosciences and chemistry. So they understand precisely why. This is not an exercise in marketing. It's an exercise in wealth building. Did, did I answer all your questions? If not, let me, let me hear them again. Yeah, I guess I do have, I've got another follow-up wondering about uh, your sales expectations. You're going to go from 80,000 in the first year to 1.3 million using 250,000 in marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. Wondering how you're going to get there. And if you can explain also your working capital, the use of funds have 42% allocated towards working capital. How much of that is going to be for scaling up in order to get to that 1.3 million in sales? How are you going to get there? Okay, two type of questions. So let me just start very briefly, but not in full with the second one. Back on the slide, uh, I can send you the slide or slides that show the use of funds. And under 20, about 20% is for marketing. And you're right, about 42% is for diverse working capital and only 17% is for personnel, et cetera. Uh, okay, well, what's happening? Um, we have very many, ex Boy, I like to be like Southwest Airlines and not brag and uh, under, under promote. So with that in mind, with that you know, caveat investor, which is good for you, let me say the following. Uh, there's a, a brand, a, a website, you can all go, it's called The Run, R-U-N, like running, therunexperience.com. They have the largest audience of of uh, registered runners of all kinds. And they have nearly a million views on YouTube. They're producing six videos for us. The first one's coming out next week. Uh, we, have ex we are the exclusive sponsor for all CBD products. There, there's two other small corporate clients, sponsors, one called um, Nike and one called Bose. And so we're proud to be in that triad. And every CBD company pitched them every, and nothing worked. The, the good thing about good for, and this is part of our marketing, is you don't have to wonder whether it works. I mean, whether, whether you have arthritis or you just injured yourself or you have a chronic reaction to uh, pain because of your pharmaceutical drugs, or you're hurt, you can't do your golf swing, you can't have sex, you can't do a lot of things. CBD won't do it by itself. These products, which are topical, do it within seconds, five to 10 seconds. And although some people might think, oh, it's camphor menthol. Oh, it's just like the rest. Nope. In fact, I challenge anybody to, to reverse engineer this. Go ahead. You'll find what's in it and you will not be able to produce what's in it. What does that mean? It means that we know something you don't and that's part of our intellectual property. This either works or it doesn't. So demonstrate, and it works in seconds, lasts for hours. In fact, my son is over here. He can show his hand, but uh, he won't. I won't ask. And he hurts. He has to put it on. 
sometimes one time a day, sometimes two, three times a day. Depends upon your level of pain. So we're going to use demos wherever possible. Of course, the pandemic limits it. So we found a way around that too, which is, you know, I won't say put it in your mailbox, but you can tape it to a part of a, uh, of, of a residence, which is legal and prominent and safe. And that's, we found that to be very successful. We believe that feeling is believing, not seeing is believing, feeling is believing. You'll know whether good for is good for you or not in seconds. And so a big thrust of our, of, our, uh, of our marketing, our advertising, our influencers called good for ambassadors. If you go to Instagram, you'll see hundreds of them and, the, and it's spanning out. So a great amount of our marketing is word of mouth. In fact, over 42% of all of our revenue dollars comes from um, word of mouth and our reorders are I think uh, 21%. Our average order value, not counting tax, is coming close to $80. And we just raised our prices. So with the new prices, it would be about $94, $95. And we have a subscription plan. And our website could handle 50,000 people right now in the store ordering. And if we had a cap, if we had a, a, a demand for our products, and they needed 100,000 of this and 250,000 of that. We could do it in four or five weeks. But we don't want to go into the big brand stores right away because we haven't proven ourselves the way they want. And therefore, it'll be um, hellacious for us. And I won't put our investors or our, my team in, in any risk or undue jeopardy. So we're, we're primarily digital marketing. That's how we'll do it. And uh, we've not done wholesale much yet, but we have oh, about 20, little over 20 affiliates now with well over 1 million uh, regular viewers, fans, followers, you name it, all double opted in, et cetera, because we don't want to spam. We won't spam people. Although I have thought of dropping uh, our packets out of helicopters, but uh, I wouldn't want somebody to get hit in the face and that causes more pain. Or maybe I do, but <laughs> you know I, I don't know. This is when I ask people. Here's something that's interesting: marketing. Uh, several months ago, before the uh, the plague, uh, I played a lot of softball, a lot of basketball, very competitive with 20, 30 somethings. And I would ask people, strangers, to uh, do you have any uh, physical pains? And most people would walk by or pay me no attention. But when I said this said it this way, excuse me, but do you have any friends or loved ones who are in any pain? Almost 75% people stopped. More, they're more empathetic. It's also part of what I call backdoor marketing, which is instead of saying, would you buy it for yourself? Do you know anybody else who could use the benefit? Not buy it, but benefit. And we find that it works very, very well that way. And the reason we have these grab and go packets is that a runner or a basketball player or pickleball or golfer, tennis or anybody, a mom or a dad, anybody going out puts it in their pocket or their headband or whatnot. Whereas this, you know, so it's, a, it's an airless pump. You know, you don't want to put it in your pocket or your wallet. We also have several other products, but pain is our focus. 
I wondered, but I wonder if you got the answers you were looking for. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Uh, Brad, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Do you have any questions for Jeff? Um, you know, I read uh, your bio, Jeff, and I was wondering if you can um, describe to me how, or the audience, how you were able to, uh, I saw that you actually kind of developed the dating industry. Oh, yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, I think it'd be interesting to learn more about exactly what you were able to achieve in there and actually, uh, you know, since you actually built a pretty big sales network, it looks like I read, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Okay. Well, anybody, thank you. Uh, Brad, uh, anybody could see my uh, resume on LinkedIn, Jeffrey Ullman. Don't mix me up with my second cousin, the other Jeffrey Ullman. He's a professor at Stanford and he was the uh, initial Google advisor during their startup. So um, uh, I started a company called Great Expectations and I built the big, biggest romantic singles dating brand in the world by far. There was not even a second or a third place. Uh, we sold, began it in 1976, sold it in 1995 to a fellow YPO company, a NASDAQ public company um, that was in financial services. So why, why would a bank buy a dating service or a video dating service? It's because we created something that worked. Great expectations. A lousy URL today. People would make spelling mistakes, you know. Internally, we just called it GE. Of course, we thought we were bigger than General Electric. It was a direct response organization. It was cutting edge, bleeding edge in many ways, because when you're talking about romance, especially in the 70s and 80s, when it, there was no online dating, uh, there was tremendous stigma. People would not want to touch you with a 11 foot pole. They thought something was wrong with you or you were gay or lesbian or, or dangerous. So we had to overcome all that stigma through marketing. And we, were, we had a great time, we did it. Uh, we succeeded in many ways. We had more couples who were met, who dated, you know, met, dated, married than anybody other company in the world by, by far. Um, uh, our revenue in today's dollars in my last year in the mid '90s was about 155 million dollars, which is very little to come to the two biggest online dating companies. But in our case, you were paying two or three thousand dollars for a membership walked into a, a physical office called the membership center you watched your videos there you to read to meet anybody you have to come back to watch the videos so if you lived out of town a problem so we had to deal with so many idiosyncrasies and overcome them and we had just tremendous success i've had also success with my wife with a company called tuology which helped sing, uh, couples stay together now how we built that we built it slowly, um, word of mouth, then ads, and then funny radio ads of which we won all kinds of belding awards, radio contests, uh, like, like the Oscars. Then we did direct mail. And back in those days, in the mid 1980s, if you opened your mailbox and you pulled out a letter, you thought your, it was your name on it. Nope, we bought the inexpensive, we kind of zip code bombed, if you will, carrier route bomb. So we highly targeted. We didn't want to drop from a helicopter, like I said before. 
we wanted to find you. But finding single people wasn't easy then, but we figured it out. Just like we find out now who's in pain. Is it seniors? Is it blue collar workers? Is it moms and dads, grandparents? It's, it's, it's almost everybody, but you don't go crazy trying to reach them every which way. So the dating experience was fantastic in so many ways because I brought happiness to people. I was on just about every TV show you could think of multiple times. I think I was on two dozen times on CNN as a you know, domain expert. I was on Oprah a couple times, et cetera, et cetera. And Montel Williams, who's in the cannabis business, as you know, um, I was on his second show way back. I don't remember. And he came right up to me and he said, Mr. Ullman, Jeff, Mr. Ullman, aren't you taking advantage of people who are lonely? And I said, Mr. Williams, Montel, Mr. Williams, yes, we're taking advantage just like nurses and doctors and hospitals and pharmaceutical companies take advantage of the sick or dying. And just like talk show hosts take advantage of the bored and the people who don't like to read. The audience went nuts. He went to commercial. I got asked back <laughs> because it, it, interaction. So we tried to be in, emotional in all of our marketing. That's what it was with great expectations. That's what it is with good for. I want to show you something. I thought, you know, entrepreneurs make mistakes. Nothing tried, nothing, no, nothing gained. And this was our, our strongest pain topical way back. You see the number eight, and it's all about a scale on a scale of one to 10. So eight's a lot. You're not quite certain what kind of pain he's in. Is it emotional, headache, worry, angst, stress, or is it physical? Well, no other product. If you go to the store where they sell food, where they sell pharmaceuticals, where they sell over-the-counter topicals of any kind, you will not find a photo, a real photo of, a, of an adult. You go to the diaper section, you'll see little babies, but nothing. So I thought that emotional breakthrough was the way to connect. This is what it looks like now. It's a different container. It's clear. Because sometimes if you have creative or art, it can get in the way of sales. And it can get in the way of healthcare. The, the more people who buy our product, the better for them and for us and our investors. So we learn from mistakes. We don't just get knocked down and get up again. That's dumb because you'll just get knocked down again and again. It's a terrible, insane loop. When you get up, you have to be in the process of thinking, what am I going to do differently? Because I don't want to get knocked down again. I don't want to lose dollars. I want to gain market share. So that's the essential theme behind us. And speaking of behind us, well, I don't know where I put it, but uh, we have a big ad coming out called uh, Tell Us Where It Hurts. Clean and simple, sans serif, no frou-frou art, not photo special. Connect with what is on your mind. When you go to the market, some have a list, some should wander. We want them all. And if you put good for on a shelf next to about anything, like I double dare you, triple dare you, you'll immediately see it. 
It's clean, it's clear, it answers every possible question and it's registered trademark. We own multiple of them in the United States and other countries. That allows us to make claims that other companies can't. Because there's so many- Sorry to interrupt, can you explain that a little bit further? Because I'm I'm curious, as you're trying to get investors to get into a relationship with you, how can you put those investors at give them peace of mind knowing that there was 15 letters that the FDA sent out just last year. How can you give peace of mind to investors who are wondering about the claims you are making? Well, first of all, this is a registered trademark and we can put anything that we want in front of it. And we have two law firms, uh, the Hoban Law Firm, which you understand for most business transactions and an FDA cannabis natural product specialty company called Amin Taladi. So nothing goes on anything anywhere without them and also my insurance broker. <laughs> so we have insurance because we don't wanna be sued. We wanna know where is the line and we won't go past it and we won't even go up to it because sometimes there's a shadow, so to speak, a, a false assumption or misinterpretation. So we come close but and we have to leave it like radio for the mind, good for. You know, you, that's an inherent sales claim, an inherent one, but we're not making the claim. But the way people interpret it is, oh, it's good for, for something. What's it good for? Then, so the combination of the brand and the product name, is it, that combination is, is essential. Um, I thought of putting, the, think of the, the, the letters answer, A-N-S-W-E-R. Put a C in front of it. What's that word? cancer. There is no such word. If I developed, I happened to develop with some doctors, a pain topical, or excuse me, a, a cancer killing uh, oil. We're not commercializing it. Good for has nothing to do with that. But I wouldn't want to take that and say it's good for cancer. Oh my goodness. I'd spend years in court and lots of dollars with the FDA, FTC, plaintiff attorneys, etc. So we fought, we identify the markets where people hurt the most. That's our specialty, hurt, okay? Physical pain, most obviously, stress, anxiety, et cetera, uh, later. Oh, we have that as well. All the formulations and all the betas and all that is, is ready. So here's what you can expect. You can expect that we will not violate the written law at all, federal or state. Can't say about other countries because we have not studied those in depth. We understand enough, but no. Um, we, uh, we take responsibility. Also, we have a 100% happiness guarantee. It's called the good for happiness guarantee. Now think about this. We're in a cannabis who, uh, uh, companies who, who deal with, um, with the public, with consumers, or even B2B. Uh, they have exposures from their merchants. They don't want to lose their ability to take credit cards. So they give the money back if they have to. So we just took that and spun it differently. It's a happiness guarantee. We guarantee we guarantee the same things. We say it differently. So if you want, we've had no requests, zero requests, not on the phone, not in any method, not even a friend or a relative, nobody. Now that, that doesn't mean we have no complaints, but nobody said anything to us. And we did have a double year money back guarantee, but then some friends said, no, don't do that. It only invites problems. But that's that goes to show you how the primary investor, me, 
or my family, the Ullman family and the CEO, where the buck does stop and passes on bucks to you, of course. Um, I'm very careful with my reputation and my family's reputation and people. I don't want it to hurt anybody ever. Uh, if you want more specifics on that, you can ask me now or ask me privately. Thank you, Jeff. Um, David, welcome. Do you have any questions for, for Jeff? Yeah, thank, thank you so much, um, Jeff. Uh, great presentation. Uh, thank you. As, uh, as cannabis becomes a, a commodity, only brands will survive. And um, I particularly like the branding that, that, that you've done, uh, specifically around what Daniela uh, was talking about in regards to uh, marketing strategies and uh, the plan discussion on the previous piece, because, um, because it's, it's, the, the build, it's, it's, it's the brand that builds the trust that will really kind of win in the end. Yes. Uh, so, so great job on that, and I, I, I like that the clever uh, plan words with with the with the brand piece. Um, so, um, I guess my first question is is what um, what IP uh, what rather the IP what what's protected under that IP? Is it the formula or what what's specifically protected? Okay, let's start with the most legal first. We own multiple URLs. Okay, that's easy to document. We own, and pending as well, we own multiple trademarks. You saw evidence of two of them from the United States Patent and Trademark Office. And there's others in Canada and Latin America and other countries in the world. Um, the formulas, um, we don't care. No, you see, there's two ways to spend your money, either make money or waste money in cannabis. That's to chase new technology, whether it's a grow light, or a new formulation for something or a new box or something, or there's branding. We chose branding. We were fortunate. If I was a religious person, I would say blessed, but okay, karmically enhanced that the, the topicals that my son Elijah and I first started, uh, oh gosh, four or five years ago, uh, has evolved to be so effective. And we, Sometimes there's just dumb luck. I don't know what to call it. I'm, we're brilliant. I, call us brilliant. We're pretty darn smart, but that's not the way to present ourselves. So I'd rather be a little bit humorous and noxious and truthful and say, okay, you chemical engineers, you competitors, wherever, reverse engineer it, go ahead. Reverse engineer it, produce some. Give it to your grandmother, to your son, to customers, to anybody. You still won't get this quality because of what we figured out by luck. Now, that's what we're patenting, okay? And that will hold some value. I don't know how much. What am I going to lie? I mean, say it's a billion or a dollar? I don't know. It may not even be worth the money we spend to, with the lawyers. You don't know. So, uh, and so it's a, it, that will remain a trade secret. And incidentally, it's not just this. We figured out a, for, a method of formulation for all of our products, all of them. And here's something that um, it's probably, I don't wanna say it's a dirty little secret. I don't know if it's dirty at all, but it's clever. 
which is CBD does in any form, isolate, broad spectrum, full spectrum, wherever it's grown, legal, et cetera, et cetera, with more terpenes, more flavonoids, more different ratios. There's billions of combinations that we all know and science hardly knows and won't know for decades, et cetera, et cetera, because there's over 500 different molecules. We figured out that CBD is not the end all to this. It's just a great marketing. It's a wonderful front end. Look, I'm from LA, La La Land. I grew up literally a half a mile away from MGM Studios. And as a tween, as a kid, we'd bike over there, hop over and look at all the Western sets and the Batman and the biblical thing. And we didn't understand as kids, a facade. But CBD is a great facade, meaning it, it attracts, but it's going to lose its luster unless it proves its worth. And we've proved its worth because we've taken I won't say the best quality, because what does best mean? We provide certificates of analysis. So those of you who can understand, review it, you judge it. We think it's pretty darn good. But what we figured out was by adding FDA, here's key, FDA approved ingredients in unique measures. Knowing about pharmacogenetics, which is how our bodies respond metabolically to chemicals, sugars, alcohol, CBD, THC, pharmaceuticals, et cetera. By knowing that, which is my background is also in pharmacogenetics, uh, we've been able to figure out a, a methodology, an overall strategy. I've got to find out what pharmaceutical companies would call it, but I'll say it's a methodology so that whether it's good for pets, good for arthritis, good for sex, good for stopping sugar, or, or, or good for pain, it's the same methodology. It's just different ingredients. So intellect, and the other intellectual problem uh, property is us. We're good. Thank you. Thank you. Put a value on that. Thank you. Do you have follow-up? We also make friends, and we share. <laughs> so one follow-up question is um, is that is then um, have you raised a family and uh, friends and family round today? Um, and what was that number? Because um, I know that you mentioned that you funded it. Yeah. Um, and who are the members on the cap table? The um, good question. Um, the friends and family is Cindy and Jeff. I don't like asking a family for money. It gets weird around the Seder table or you know wherever, just weird. Plus, I did, I've done it before, 25 years ago or whatnot, and um, it worked, and it didn't work. Two, two different companies. And I don't like that. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm going to hit up friends, high, my high net worth investors, whatever, you know, take me. But I'm going to do it in a funny way, you know, allowing them not to never, you know, I don't want them to unfriend me in, a, in every possible way. Um, um, the primary owners are myself and my wife, um, and then our key team members, uh, with the exception of one because he's a uh, PhD student in pharmacology. His university doesn't doesn't allow that type. So, um, our, and we we disclose all of that, but it's not in the investor deck. But in total, it's under ten percent, and we're leaving more for you know, other employees or important vendors or consultants. We're very big on joint ventures. 
however that is. Oh, also, I'm a member of YPO, Young President's Organization. And in two th it's, a, it's about a $9 trillion a year organization. And there's about uh, 400 of us in the YPO Cannabis Industry Wealth and Health Group, which I started in February 2015. What does this mean? It means that I can find out from people like Justin Gover, the CEO of uh, GW Pharmaceuticals, which is the first FDA approved you know, uh, pr uh, product. Uh, some of the, I can find out lots of things because we're talking to presidents, chairmen, and um, I'm going to um, uh, probably right after the first week of, of, December, of January, uh, list in the YPO deal network. But I want $250,000 this year because there's an immense amount that we can put it to good use for. And it'll, it'll show, it's like direct marketing right away. You know, you'll know what, what to change. You know, don't put, don't put all your money on red or on black. Because you, you, you can get results. Incidentally, our feedback, our, our systems, automatic systems are very well integrated. So we're very, um, we make the most with the data we have. I probably didn't answer all your questions. I'm sorry. That was perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jeff. Mauricio, do you have um, the last question for, for Jeff? Yes. Thank you, Jeb. It's a great presentation, and I'm happy to hear a person too enthusiastic about speaking about pain. I think pain is the most important word in the world, and I would like to ask you if it's not important that neurologists and the doctors could be more involved in this kind of product that could be the solution not to take common and simple and the most uh, biggest business that even doesn't work today. So I would like to ask you if you think that neurologist and- I mean, the, neurologist, the brain? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, brain. And, and because, neuropathic pain. Yeah, because- Pain all over the body by the nerves. Yeah, because the, you, you have to remember that the, the pain, first of all, burning in your brain and then goes anywhere. Yes. Um, well, you asked a complex subject. I can tell you that neuropathy is almost as hard as phantom pain. In other words, an amputee might think that where they, even though they lost their left leg and their foot and all that, they feel that their toe itches to memory, you know, that, that's one form. But neuro, neuropathic pain is very difficult. Um, my wife had her whole left foot underneath had neuropathic pain from the pharmaceutical. It's a killer. It's trying to kill bad cells, but along the way it kills a lot of good cells. So that's the toughest thing. But joints, arthritis or all kinds of joints and, you know, your knees, your elbows, I'm just, this is excellent. Uh, all kinds of inflammation, sprains and strains and twists and things that cause you to go, ouch, or ow. We know how to deal with that. And incidentally, we do not use, and we highly, um, how do I say, I denounce lidocaine. Lidocaine interferes with the signaling from where you're hurt to your brain. So you get this false sense of, oh, I can now run on my ankle, my foot. 
No, but you're gonna wound it even more. So we don't use any of that junk. You see that on shelves at stores. We don't wanna use it. That's a, that's a, that's, that hurts. You buy that and you get, you hurt yourself more. We won't do that to you. It's cheap as hell for us to make it, won't do it. Um, we have a medical doctor on staff, uh, Paul Bregman, MD, um, who's a cannabis patient himself. He allows, allows me to say it. Um, and he looks at everything from a clinical point of view. We have a chief science officer formula who graduated from uh, med school on this. Um, and uh, he looks at everything uh, coldly, statistically, analytically, based on the proof, not the clinical proof. That's Dr. Bregman. So those two guys, powerful team. Inspired by Elijah Ullman, my proud son, PhD student in pharmacology uh, at Emory, who inspired all of our topicals. So anything more about neuropathy, I, you'd have to write me or call me and I'll do what I can. And let me ask you just one last question. And that's in, in cancer, I think we, we suffer from pain anywhere. So in your clinical trials, do you have any important statistical trial studies that can show us because cancer is the, our best enemy, is the most yes. biggest enemy? Um, the two world experts on cannabis and breast cancer are two uh, Spaniards from uh, Madrid, PhDs. They're not clinicians, they're academics. And those are the people I initially consulted back in early 2016, because there was nobody more published about breast cancer, men or women, any ages, and, can and cannabis than those people. Um, there is an excellent digital book, which I will send for free to everybody. Uh, it's written by a friend of mine. He just released his I think the sixth edition. It's called Cannabis for the Treatment of Cancer. Um, and it's re very readable. It's a bit dense at parts, but if you, and there's about 25 different cancers in it. So you write to me, jeff at goodfor.us, not .com, .us, and I'll send it to you. It's a di digital book. You're not getting it you're getting it free because he's giving it to me free and allow, he's giving it to everybody. Um, there's not a lot, we're not doing any cancer clinical trial at all. No, we won't do that. Um, there is a video, a one minute video on our website, goodfor.us and uh, in the uh, about us section or our story section. And that's mostly my wife talking about, about her cancer. But these are anecdotes, you know, of one. Let's not extend it to others. But I can tell you this, that um, my wife, Cindy's oncologist, is a regular good for a customer because she bikes. She's 50, I think. She and her kids, they're, you know, dirt bikers and mountain bikers. They run into trees and rocks and themselves. Um, and she was very opposed to medical cannabis when we first came to her because it was schedule one. Well, still is. He's THC. Ridiculous. Cancer is a wonder. I mean, cannabis is a wonder drug, but we can't say it's cures or treats and everything. That's crazy. Just curious, Jeff. Those two um, researchers you're referring to in Spain—is that from Computense University? Yes. Uh -huh. Sanchez. Yes. Yep. Okay. And Doctor Velasco. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Great. Really. 
Too bad for the FDA and I'll leave out the FFDA. <laughs> F, uh, the FDA, yeah. All right, got it. Thank you, Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Uh, lastly, Jeff, um, if some of our network members of um, some of our attendees are looking at you right now, want to reach you, what is the best way to reach you? What is the best way to contact Good4? Um, please let us know. Yeah, don't don't knock on my door, without a mask. Um, <laughs> email is good. Jeff, J-E-F-F, at goodfor, G-O-O-D-F-O-R dot U-S, not dot com. Uh, you can call me, but I'd prefer that you text me first, 720-443-1322. We have an 800 number too, but go direct. You know the guy. Thank you. Thank you. Also, if you want samples, um, how can I... I don't see where I can share samples with people, but is there a is there a place for me to text or? Yeah, we can we can figure it out some way okay. um, to to bring some of your samples to to. Yeah, I'll, I'll mail to them. Um, you you won't see it on our website without this unique URL. It's part of our target marketing. Yes, I have one more question from one of our members, but I think it's 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 a it's a good question. So you're raising. $250,000 now, what yep. is your valuation and how many shares on how, or, or how much equity will be part of the, of the convertible note? The reason we, great question, whomever asked it. Um, uh -huh. What I value the company at, what we value the company at is not what you as an investor will, and I don't want to argue with you because uh, what are we going to say the value of our intellectual property is worth if we sell nothing or we sell a great deal or we sell a great deal in Colombia, but not so much in Ecuador or whatnot. So we rather kick it, kick that valuation down the road a bit, which is primarily why we're using debt, convertible debt, and not a lot of debt, not a lot of debt. And you'll be able to convert it at a 20% discount when either you can do it, it's automatic. It happens automatically. When we raise through a series A, $1 million and one penny. I think it's, I don't know if you need the one penny, but it's a million dollars. And then it automatically converts. You're the lucky ones, you get 20% discount. But after the 250, we're gonna go after most likely 500. Um, and then, then we'll be able to show prove valuation, which by that time, which we believe will be, middle to let's just call it second quarter next year will be more than $10 million. Okay. And that's not a promise. That's our target. That's our target. And the minimum um, is $25,000. Yeah, I'd like it. I'd like the minimum, minimum to be $250,000. But for now, such a deal. Okay. Thank you. Excellent, Jeff. Um, well, thank you everyone for joining us today. Um, we invite you to save the day next January 29th. Uh, we will be conducting our next event, uh, Latin Investment Summit on January next year. Um, also, we would like to invite you all to our scientific symposium. This is a more educational space on January 26th.
And uh, well, thank you everyone for joining us today. If you want to reach any of these companies and you're interested in learning more about them and their opportunities, please feel free to reach us. We can contact, uh, we can put you in contact with, with, with them directly. Um, and, and well, um, if um, usually we have uh, simultaneous translation. And so if you have any questions um, regarding any teaching or any presentation, please let us know today. Um, just, just write us or well, as, as, as your ability allows you to, to, to contact um, us. Thank you everyone. And um, well, uh, thank you all the companies pitching and see you next January 29th. Uh, we're going to close our event with a series of promo videos. So feel free to uh, use the chat for a little while and network. Thank you everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey guys, Montel here, inviting you to check out my podcast, Let's Be Blunt with Montel, where we have candid conversations about everything cannabis. We have over 250 episodes in our library and a new show drops every single Thursday. So be sure to subscribe. And if you like what you hear, make sure you leave us a review. Thank you.